Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath November 11th, we look at Lesson 6, Motivation and Preparation for Mission. Together, let's find our drive to fulfill God's true mission. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, Michael, here we are, lesson six, quarter four, motivation and preparation for mission. And our memory text is coming from Luke chapter 24, verse 44. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Isn't that great clarification? What the Bible says comes to fruition. Yeah. And, you know, talking about Philippians, it quotes Philippians chapter one, verses 15 to 18. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and also some also from goodwill, whether former from selfish ambition or whatever. Basically, anybody, even if you do it selfishly, proclaiming the gospel, God can work in and through that, even through our impure motives. And yet Christ is preached, he says, and in this, I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. And such a, you know, that's, that's the heart of it all it is, is it's, it's all about Jesus. Amen. So Michael, you, you already started it talking about Jesus. <laughs> Tell us how to share the good news. So Luke 24 verses one through 12, this is the story of the tomb, right? Of, of the resurrection. And it's talking about what was the response of those who heard about the risen Christ. And I'm not going to read all of this here. Of course, I encourage those of you listening as you're preparing and reviewing the Sabbath school lesson for this week, that, that this is a really, this is a beautiful, crucial moment here. And it says the first day of the week. So right Sunday, early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it mm-hmm. says, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes, it's angels, right? They're scared. <laughs> Typical reaction, right? Bow their heads to the ground. And they, the angels say, he is not here. He has risen. And, uh, you know, kind of remember, right? Remember? <laughs> right. And then remember. they did, it says they did remember his words. And that's. That's part of what we do as, as, as Bible students, as, as historians, right? We remember, and in this case, remembered his words and, you know, the disciples, the men who should have been there, they weren't there. And it, this is interesting <laughs> to me. It's the women who first see and hear the story and share and proclaim that story. And, and this is amazing. Sometimes people wonder, what, what, what about the role of, of women in, in the church? It's, it's the women who first proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus. Yes. Is phenomenal. Phenomenal. And by the way, it says there's Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary, the mother of Jesus. It wasn't just one woman, it's several women. Yes. Way, several. Also, there's a couple of different Marys. Sometimes people kind of merge those together. But we <laughs> see we see that there are several, several women, several Marys even, and they're the ones who are tasked, who are given the privilege, the opportunity to share and even kind of, you know, they go back to the disciples who are incredulous. Like they, this, this is unbelievable, but yet here they are at the center. This is the gospel in action. This is the good news. 
And, and in fact, some of them, the disciples think they're telling idle tales, but no, they are telling the truth. <laughs> Here is the power of the proclamation of the good news of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and by the way, if anyone has any questions, if, if women can and should proclaim Jesus and the good news of the gospel and the resurrection here, Preach. This, this, this should be for once and for all times, should be absolutely crystal clear. Women have and were the first and will always be at the heart of proclaiming the gospel. And at the end of time, three angels messages. What do we have again? I mean, women who are doing it again. We just had this yes. conference of women in Adventist history. Women have been at the center of the Adventist story, preaching, proclaiming in, in a myriad of different ways, the good news of, of Jesus and the beautiful Adventist mes message that we have reminding us not only did, was he resurrected, but he's coming again to take his people home. And so that kind of this Adventist message we have, we're, we're all about the prophecies, Bible prophecy, right? Right. This prophetic foundation, which takes us back again to Luke 24. Yeah. So Luke 24, 36 to 49. And Michael, I just want to share that here, you know, experientially that uh, most of the churches where I've pastored, matter of fact, no, all the churches I've pastored, the majority of people that have been there have been women. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of, and listen here, I, I know a lot of people say, oh, well, if men would step up, women wouldn't need to. No, women and men created in the image of God have always been truth bearers, bearers of light of God. But it's just been here, Michael, let's be honest, that a lot of men have not been standing up and a lot of women will still stand up. And so let's, let's not, not just celebrate them, but let's continue to encourage anyone that God is calling to continue to preach the gospel. I was just sharing with a, a, a good friend of mine. He was like, I'm looking for a, a church. And I share it with my church. He's like, oh, it doesn't a, a, a woman pass that church. I was like, yeah, a woman pastors that church that's there in Arlington. And it went from 100 to over 300 in less than three years. So, yes, a woman does pastor that church. <laughs> By the way, the pastor uh, of the largest Seventh-day Adventist church in the world in China, is it, it's led by a woman, which is kind of cool. Hey, there we go. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, as we're looking here at Luke uh, 24, a prophetic foundation, we see here that the women have told uh, the disciples and the disciples come and the women, and this is, this is what I, I want us to see. The women believed, they meet, believed immediately, but here with the men, let's see here. Now, as these things, now, as they said, these things, Jesus stood himself, stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. They were frightened and uh, they were terrified and frightened and supposed that seen a spirit or a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Hand, handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh as you, as, as you see I have. And then he asks for food. He eats the food in their presence so they can understand what's happening here. And then he gives them the Great Commission. These are the words I've spoke to, that I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And I, I think it's so pertinent that this was explained here because he was explaining to them, it's not just your experience that you have with me. It's the word. It's the fulfilling of the word that's going to carry you through. And it's the same thing for us today, Michael. It's not just our experience with God, although that is very important. We need to walk with God, but it's also the scriptures and the scriptural promises that will carry us through for knowing what the mission is that God has given unto us. 
And it ends with this, and this all end as well. He opened up their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. He opened up their minds and their understanding. Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins, sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. How beautiful is that, Michael, that this commission is given, but also this foundation, this prophetic foundation, this scriptural foundation is given for the disciples to move forward. And as they are moving forward, and as we're moving forward, Michael, tell us about waiting and mission. So this section takes us, Tuesday's lesson takes us to Acts chapter 1, which is one of my favorite sections of scripture, the early Christian church, the birth of the Christian church, right after the, the resurrection of Christ and, and when Christ is ascends from on high. But here we have described for us in verses 12 to 26, it's a rather lengthy section. The question is, what were they doing, right? What were they doing? They're in the up, this, this, it says upstairs in a room, right? Where, where the disciples were. And in fact, it says verse 15, that there was a group of 120. So this group is expanding beyond the disciples. There's a, a larger group. And, and at one point, and by the way, it says verse 14, the verse right before that, all had joined together constantly in prayer. So what are they doing up there? They are praying. They're humbling themselves. They're asking. And it says here that the scripture is to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago. And, and so they're praying for the indwelling of the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit to lead and yes. guide them in, in their midst. And of course, it tells a tragic story of Judas. And there's a spot among the disciples themselves. Judas is, is gone now, tragically. And so they're like, well, what do we do? And so they have two candidates and they, they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. And so now there are 12 disciples once again. So there's this process of, of which, of church leadership through, through which they're going to share and proclaim the gospel and continuing. And, and sometimes God calls us to wait patiently. It's not always clear. We have to wait. And while we wait, we pray, we, we ask for God to bestow his spirit uh, upon us and those around us. Uh, it's not me getting a special infusion, then somehow I'm a super <laughs> Christian over you, Buster, you know, but. But we're actually praying not just that we would be individually filled, but collectively, God working through that collective voice um, of his people. And, and there's something beautiful in that, that um, we are not trying to impose our will on others, but to, in community, as the body of Christ, work together through his leading and through his spirit. And, and by the way, you know, it's interesting. It's not me working for my own benefit, but working out for the benefit of others, asking God, hey, What's, what's our task that you've given us? And that's mission. Yes. God has tasked us with mission. He's inviting us to be a part of that mission. And so while we're trying to figure that out, sometimes the best way to start is through prayer. If those of you that are listening, you know, find a small group in your church, find a way to, you know, God impress upon my heart, how we can become involved in your mission to share the gospel and proclaim it with others. And I, I wish every church board meeting would be like this, right? We do a perfunctory prayer and then we start hashing out kind of issues. And, and all too often what happens is that we're inward focused instead of outward focused. And God's inviting us to pray that we be missional and be outward focused. Oh, to God that we would, by his spirit, make every gathering when we gather together 
whether it's the local church or the conference, uni division, general conference, whatever it might be. By the way, I, I just I have to share this because we just got done with our year end meetings at the North American division. It's only the second time I've kind of sat through the this process. And what my favorite highlight buster of sitting in these yes. meetings is that they appointed prayer coordinators, a, a young lady. I'd never met her before. She's a dental student up in Michigan. And all she did was she would just come forward at various times, her job, that when she appeared at the microphone, everyone else had to step back. Okay. She got priority and say, wow. you know what, whatever we're debating, deliberating, we want to just bathe this in prayer. And my most moving moments of participating in these meetings, I'm still kind of new at this, but was when were those moments where we prayed and say, Lord, take us back to mission, take us back to what's going to be best for your work and your church. And so I love when we can bathe whatever we're doing, whether it's a talking about policies and strategic decisions or local church level or individually, personally in a small group, whatever, that, that, yeah, mission begins in prayer and asking God to help orient our focus so that we're not inward focused, but we're outward focused. And I love that. And that's Michael. the beauty of, of Acts chapter one. Well, that takes us to Acts chapter two, Wednesday's lesson on this reference to whom you crucified. Right. So Acts one, the Holy Spirit's poured out. But as we see here in Acts chapter two, verses one through 47, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, suddenly like a blowing, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And it says that they seemed, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to the rest of, of, of on each of them. And so we see here that they go out and the gospel is being spread and we still don't understand exactly how it happened, but the people in the marketplace are hearing their own language. But it's not just that they hear their own language. Peter is preaching and he's preaching like he's never preached before. He's preaching with boldness and with power. And as he is speaking, we see here in verse 30, I'll start 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And, and said to Peter and to the other disciples, brothers, what shall we do? In other words, what can we do to be saved? We, we understand we're receiving everything you're sharing. Peter said, uh, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this lesson brought up a, an, another portion, another point, which is the reason why they wanted to do this is because he, he reminded them that you are the ones who nailed him to the cross. Verse 23, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. And they were convicted, and not just convicted, but they were converted, if you will. And they wanted to be baptized right then and there. And so, Michael, this is a pet peeve of mine, sorry, but they uh, took 28 weeks to give them all 28 Bible study lessons in order for them to be baptized, right? No, that day they were baptized. They didn't have to wait, but it's not like they just baptized them and left them. What, what happens? Well, we see here in verse 44, it says, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. As a matter of fact, verse 42 is what I'm looking at. They devoted themselves to the, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. And this was on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. they were baptized because they believed on that same day and the church journeyed with them to continue their development for the rest of their lives. 
I, I'm, I'm right now, Michael, doing Bible studies with four of our young people from church, and they're getting baptized here very soon. I said, hey, I want you to understand something. Baptism is not the graduation. You don't get a robe and a gown and, and, and get to go off on your life. And no, grab mirror. baptism is more equivalent to a marriage ceremony. This is you mm -hmm. saying, I do, and I commit to this relationship and to grow in this relationship every single day in my relationship with you with God. And they, they understood that imagery, and hopefully we do as well. And when we're looking here, Michael, at, at Wednesday's lesson, it asks us this question, what happens to disciples as a result of receiving the Holy Spirit at Pentecost? They're able to do things that, that they weren't able to do by themselves. They were able to win others over, not by their own merits, not by their own strength, but by the strength of the Holy Spirit, by the strength of God. And we can do the same thing, but... We ourselves have to have what you just shared, Michael. We have to have that upper room experience first. Uh, it's not just me getting up in the morning and saying, oh, I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit and go out and do this great work. No, we need to find those groups of people that, are, that are, have a heart for God and praying for God to fill us. And I, I love this once again, Michael. Yes, 120 people, but there were the disciples. There are men, there are women. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in that room, right? So this is a beautiful moment of the true church coming together and saying, we're laying aside all of our differences. We're laying, casting down, we're taking that humility on that, that Christ had when he was here. As a result of that, after 10 days, they received the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, Michael, but when I would go to prayer meeting, I'm oftentimes looking at my watch after 30 minutes saying, all right, when are you going to wrap this up? Can you imagine saying, hey, we're going to be here for about 10 days. <laughs> but some days we need to linger longer. Some days we need to linger longer, not to hear a sermon. Sorry, all you preachers out there. Not to, <laughs> not to hear a good song. I love music. But in prayer, in mm -hmm. prayer, wrestling with ourselves and, 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 and grabbing a, a hold of God in prayer. And Michael, that's my, my two cents on that. So I'll tell us, show us a picture of the early church. Well, you know, Buster, it just picks up from what you were talking about. And I think in terms of prayer and lingering, letting the spirit work, right? And, and so you see a description of how it actually changed and transformed the lives of those early Christians, right? And, and you know, I know there's people have written whole dissertations just on this passage from Acts yes. chapter 2, uh, 41 to 47. My Bible I'm reading from the NIV titles it The Fellowship of the Believers. But this is one of the most poignant and, and just... You know, it's just beautiful descriptions of what it was like. Now, we have to remember the early Christian church, they're made up of human beings just like us today. It doesn't mean they were perfect or had some kind of spiritual superhero powers, but what they did is they surrendered their lives to God and just allowed the spirit to work in and through them. And it says, verse 42, and you alluded to the first verse already, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer, right? So this breaking of bread, this is an allusion, obviously, to the, to the Lord's Supper. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So this is where one of those verses where I think people kind of struggle a little bit. And, you know, <laughs> some people are like, well, it sounds kind of communistic, <laughs> right? But, but, you know, it, it's not about modern political theories and everything else. The idea was, is they just put all of their own selfish interests aside to help each other. And I, I, I was going to say, Michael, it's not because there was choice in this matter. 
they wanted to, they decided. And someone's like, well, what about Ananias and Sapphira? It's like, well, they lied about it. They said they did, and they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> they said, oh, well, this is everything, but they kept back a portion for themselves. And so therefore there was, there's deception there. So if they decided not to, no, they're not going to be struck down. But yeah, so either be all in or not. <laughs> right. Absolutely. By the way, there's an interesting book by, it's titled Finding, Finding Phoebe. It's a New Testament scholar, I think from Emory, Susan Highland. A really oh, okay. cool book. And it's talking about how many of the early Christians, including women, were quite wealthy philanthropists that helped. Yes. You. So these are not just like, you know, I have I have 10 bucks and so I'm I'm poor, so I'll throw my little bit in. It, there are some of these people that were contributing that were very well-to-do and helped to sustain the Christian church during this very crucial formative period, right? So it says they held, they, they, they were together had, and had everything in common. Verse 45, sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So there's something about a, a moment like this where people are coming together. They're, they're just saying, you know, all of the wealth, everything I've accumulated really doesn't matter when it comes to making sure that the gospel is proclaimed. We help each other and really authentically, genuinely live out the gospel. The other Amen. time in church history, Adventist history, I can think of something like this was the Millerite movement. They're waiting for Jesus to come. What did they do? Yes. Some sold their farms, sold everything they had, helped pay off their debts, help others using whatever money they had to just proclaim and share uh, the yeah. goodness that they believed with all their hearts Jesus was coming. That's that kind of it's those moments, tender moments uh, in in Christian history. We can look back and say, "Wow, this that, that's that's intense." They were serious about their faith. They weren't just kind of giving lip service to this. They they and that's what it says. They had glad and sincere hearts. They they were truly living what they believe. Verse 47, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily, those who are being saved. Because when people see that we're living it out, we're not just kind of talking it, but then we're kind of, you know, gossiping and trash talking it behind the scenes or whatever. I don't like so-and-so, but they're really, you know, hey, even the people, they were really, despite their differences. And by the way, there were differences. We know from other <laughs> passages and Philemon and elsewhere, you know, there were socioeconomic disparities, significant ones between the slave, right, and, and the slave owner, but yet they could come together as, as one in Christ and it changed and transformed, radically transformed those socioeconomic relations. People could look in and say, wow, that, that, that's amazing. If God could do that, I want to be a part of that. Amen. Right. Michael, that was a uh... Very insightful. I'm, I'm definitely going to check out that book you, you shared. Uh, can you share with the audience one, once more? Yeah, Finding Phoebe. It was published actually earlier this year. So it's kind of a new publication. It's looking at what life was like in the early Christian church. And especially you know, through the lens of Phoebe, a biblical character Phoebe. Yeah. But really, it's it's just a, a delightful, and it's an easy read, right? It's not It's not like one of those big, thick things it's it's well, like, i've it's seen like, those on your shelves before michael i, I do have my fair share of those you know, and i know you've actually read them so <laughs> well, i wish i could say i read all of them but but uh, yeah I, I think erdman's published it but very approachable fun read so if you're looking for something on the early church that would be a, a a nice read i think there's a kindle version of it too that's a book i would would highly recommend by a, a fairly well-known i mean this is not someone just kind of 
their little research project after after church is someone that's a serious New Testament scholar that's devoted their life to studying the New Testament and the archaeology and all of that, bringing out some really fun, rich insights. And by the way, I get no benefit for for this. Just a a book I happened to read recently, and I thought it's a pretty cool resource. Thank you so much for that, Michael. And for our audience, may we create many early church experiences. I know we're not in the early church and. Listen here, I think there's some benefits to that as well. I know sometimes we're like, oh, I wish we could go back. Well, we have technological advances. We have so many different things that God can use for us now. But but the thing that God is looking for are people with hearts after him and hearts after one another. Absolutely. So, you know, this is an invitation for us once again. Our motivation comes from Jesus. And, and, and by the way, we prepare. We prepare through prayer, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, through our surrendering our will to God. And God will surprise us in how he works, not only individually, but collectively together. Well, you've been listening to the uh, Sabbath School Rescue Podcast. Thanks for joining us for another week as we go through this quarter on mission. Very exciting. Until next week, thank you for listening. This is Soup. And Swoops. Signing Signing out. out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, SabbathSchoolRescue.org, for each weekly episode.